Thank you, Tim, and good morning. I'm not sure where to start this morning, so I'm just going to start in a particular place this morning. I want to honour the presence of the Lord. We must do that. Now, in worship, which was so powerful and you all engaged so well, there was a moment back there where I could hear the heavenly host come in. And some of you may have heard that. And when that happens, that ushers in the presence of Jesus. He always comes with the angelic. So I want to honour that and just say, thank you, Jesus. We honour your presence this morning. And this is what happens when we worship. This is what happens when we open up and when we engage. And when he comes, he comes for a purpose. And we've said that before. And this morning, I believe, is all about him and what he wants to do. I believe this morning has been totally put together by his spirit. So I want you to engage this morning. I want you to engage with him as he wants to minister to you this morning, as he wants to bring revelation, he wants to bring truth and he wants to bring freedom. So let's just look at him and even as we were worshipping, let's just see his face, which is so beautiful and so glorious and uh, just be ready to engage with him and encounter him. So this morning I've entitled it New Creation, No Condemnation. So it gives you some idea of where we're going to go and uh, I'm simply going to work my way through what I feel the Lord wants me to share this morning and what he wants you to engage with this morning. And uh, I pray right now, Lord, that you would bring revelation to us all this morning as we open your word. I pray that we would see you in a different light, Lord, in a new light, and that we would also see ourselves, Lord, as you see us. And I pray, Lord, that there would be a powerful interaction with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've just celebrated the Easter season and we were reminded of what our great God was outworking. His master plan for you and I and all that all would believe in Jesus. So let's just go back and have a quick look at the cross, which we looked at last week. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, which I'm not going to open up this morning, but it shows us that God was reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. And uh, we are enabled by the Holy Spirit to live our new life, and we've talked about that before. So each of us needs to accept Jesus for this to be outworked in our lives. When we accept Jesus and what he has done at the cross and the power of his resurrection, as we know, we become a brand new person as our spirit is new, and we have covered this before. And Jesus comes to live in our hearts, the very core of our being, and we belong to a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now, we're enabled by Holy Spirit to live as a new person in the new life, which is foreign to those who come to Christ. It's something totally new, not known this before. It's a completely different life. But can also become, we can become a little bit familiar. Those who have come, you know, walking with Jesus for a long time, we can become just that little bit familiar. Yes, we know. Yes, we know. Yes, we know. And we can camp at a particular place. But I feel that God wants to encourage us all this morning that there is more because there is always more in him. So for those who come to Jesus, there's this learning about this new life, this new kingdom that we belong to, everything that Jesus is. For those who have started that walk, and it doesn't matter how far along that walk we are, the Lord is saying there is always more. So sometimes we get to a certain place and think, okay, I've got it now. Okay, I understand it now. 
okay, I, you know, I've received so much from God and, and uh, all of those things, and yet he's challenging us. And okay, here we go. He is challenging us this morning that there is more. He's challenging us this morning not to stay in the same place. He's challenging us this morning. This is him speaking, not me, I'm telling you. He's challenging us this morning not to be complacent. He's challenging us this morning to keep learning, keep being hungry, keep going after him and allow him to continue to work in our lives. Allow him to continue what he has started. Because sometimes we're the ones who stop and we're the ones who say, okay, God, that's enough. Okay, God, I've got what I wanted now. Okay, God, I'm okay. And that's enough. And he's saying, no, that's not enough. He's saying there is more this morning. Here we go. Here we go. Now, I want to tell you a story. Um, A few years ago, about three years ago, I was coming home from Singapore with some of my family and we were at Changi Airport. And Changi Airport is an amazingly big airport and it has lovely um, areas in the airport where they've actually um, put gardens in there, they put fish in there, there's goldfish ponds, all sorts of things. I think it would take days and days and days just to explore the airport. Now, I knew there was a butterfly garden because I saw that and I thought that would be really good to see. And anyway, as it turned out, out, the butterfly garden was right next to the gate lounge that we were allocated to in this great big airport with many, many gate lounges and many arms. So I went in to have a look at the butterfly garden. Now in the butterfly garden it's all enclosed and they have the, the chrysalis, you know, what the, um, where the caterpillars are and there is an, um, what they call an emergence cage and it's got an emergence cage on it. So in this cage, there's rows and rows of these chrysalis, and they're there for, I believe from memory, it's about 120 days until the butterflies actually form. Then the butterflies are allowed to come out of that place and they have full freedom in this butterfly garden. So that's a slow process of transformation. It's a process of transformation from the caterpillar to the butterfly. But it is a process, but it's a slow process. And I was thinking to myself, Sometimes that's a little bit like God working out his plan for our lives. (laughs) His plan for the person that he actually created us to be, which is a butterfly, that he's in control and he will call us into what he has called us to be one way or the other. But at the moment of accepting Jesus... What happens when we become a new creation, it is instantaneous. It is in a moment, immediately. There's no chrysalis. There's no waiting time. It's an immediate thing that happens. So it's like, you know, bursting out of our old shell. It's like, you know, throwing away our old garments. It's like throwing away our old identity. It is instantaneous in a moment. It's actually happened. But then, of course, we need to learn to live, don't we? as this new person. And this is the journey that we're all on together. And it's a lifetime journey while we're on this earth as we learn to live as this new person. And we need each other to help each other and to relate to each other as the new persons that we are. Now, we've spoken about this before. So we're instantly new in our spirit, but our soul is transformed as an ongoing process. That's a little bit more like that slower process of transformation as we learn how to live as a new person. Now, many of you have heard this before, but what else happened when we became that new person? I want to unpack that with you this morning. What does this new life look like? Well, as we said last week, we have the righteousness of Jesus. And as we've just um, heard on uh, worship this morning and in meeting leading, that's who we are. We have that garments of righteousness that we carry. 
2 Corinthians 5.21, as we covered last week, said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, what we're going to do now is step back, and I want to step right back to the Garden of Eden. So come with me as we go back to the Garden of Eden. And we're going to look at Genesis 2.7. And it says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. We won't go into the male-female thing this morning. Let's just accept that this is all of us with the breath of life. What he did is he breathed life into Adam. Let's think about this for a minute. The word breath in the Greek here means a wind. It means a vital breath, a divine inspiration, a soul and a spirit. So when God created us, he breathed his own life into us. You can imagine how powerful that was. He formed and then whoosh, he breathed life, bang, here we are. Then what happened is we were separated from God because of what happened in the garden. And that divine inspiration, that, that vitality died. We lost that intimate connection with God. So there was his original plan for us. Then we lost it. And then what happened? Jesus came, as we've talked about last week and as we've spoken about many times. But let's have a look at this. 1 Corinthians 15.45 says this, and so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. And we've just talked about how God did that by breathing his own life, his own vitality. The last Adam, which is Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. So what does that mean? We're inbuilt by his spirit when we receive Jesus and we carry the very life of Christ within us, which brings us back to that place of the vitality, the divine inspiration, the very breath of God working through us. That is an amazing thing when you think about God's plan, when you put it in that context. So Adam became a life-giving, um, Adam caused, if you like, our separation. Jesus came as a life-giving spirit to bring us back to life again. He came to bring back the life that God originally had given us. That is so powerful, that is so good, that is such good news. It's amazing when you think about it this is God's master plan the great God who right at that time in the garden knew that he would send his son knew that he would um, you know trade his life for our life that then we could become alive again when we receive Jesus that is the new creation again that's why it's called new creation because we come alive again the way God originally intended it to be and that's something to celebrate, something to be so grateful to God for. But there's more. He didn't just bring us alive just to be. So let's keep going. So when we receive him, we come alive again into relationship with God. Now, it's like this. If I can give you an example or an analogy. When Jesus comes into us, it's like a soda stream. Who's got soda stream fountains? Okay. Most of us would understand what it is. If you've got a soda stream fountain, it puts effervescence into a drink. It can put colour into a drink. It can put flavour into a drink. It is infused. So the life of Jesus is infused in our spirit. It's there. It's absolutely infused. We can't be separated again. If you put something into a soda stream fountain, you can't take it out again. You can't take the colour out again. You can't take the flavour out again. You can't take those bubbles out again. It's there. Jesus cannot be taken away again unless you turn away. But that's another story. 
So God's life begins to bubble up within us and hope starts to arise through new life. And he wants to stir up that hope this morning to understand that it's within you. You belong to his kingdom, that that new life has to bubble up from within you. And he wants to stir that up this morning. And there's that energy of that new life that causes, that causes that movement, it causes that momentum, it causes that hunger to know more, it causes that hunger for the word, it causes that hunger to spend time with God, it causes that hunger to worship. And I'm praying this morning that he's going to stir that up this morning, that it's going to bubble up again. God's love, of course, is the source, the wellspring of our faith, the source of our faith, and the source of our hope. And that's very important. There is a God whose uh, basis of uh, accepting us is love. He is love. That love is within us. And the love of God rises up from deep within us. Now, we have a new name. We know that. We have a new nature. And I was reading during the week an older commentary, an older Bible commentary. It was written quite a while ago. And uh, it talks about having a new livery, a new uniform. Some of you will know what that is. It's an old term, but it means a uniform. So we have a new uniform. And that livery, if you like, is worn by an official of a company. This is what that's talking about. It has the colours and emblems of the company. You wear the colours and emblems of the kingdom of God, where you belong. You wear the colours and emblems of Jesus. This is very important. Now, we have been sealed by God as his when we accepted Jesus. So we're going to take a look at this for a moment. We've been sealed by God. Sealed in the spiritual realm. We wear something in the spiritual realm that identifies us as belonging to the kingdom of God, as belonging to Jesus. So there's three scriptures we're going to look at very quickly that explain this. 2 Corinthians verse 122 talks about who has also sealed us and given us in the spirits, the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. The spirit in our heart who we have received is our guarantee that we are sealed as being identified as belonging to Jesus and his kingdom. You wear that in the spiritual realm. It is seen in the spiritual realm. 2 Timothy verse 2 and chapter 19 says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knows you. He knows that you are his. That is seen in the spiritual realm, the whole spiritual realm. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says this. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. There we have it three times. You've been sealed by God. You wear that seal and everything that that means when you have accepted Jesus. That's who you are. That's another way of looking at who you are. God sees it and Satan sees it because it is seen in the spiritual realm. Now let's stop for a moment and imagine yourself wearing your new garments. Imagine yourself, see yourself wearing your new emblems. And see yourself 
wearing the seals that, you sh- that show that you belong to God's kingdom because you do. You do. You do. So it's a good thing to remind ourselves of this. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of this every day, of who you are, who you carry, the fact that you've been sealed by God, you belong to him, you are his. Now God's plan is so great and so magnificent that there's even more coming. Now we're going to be transformed again. This is part of God's big plan. There's another moment when we are going to be transformed again in an instant when Jesus appears again. He's not finished with us yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 15, uh, verse 52 says this, In a moment, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. He is going to change us again in an instant. So he's changed us already once in an instant. He's going to change us again in an instant. This is God's story. This is God's story for you and I. So we live as a people who have an eternal destiny with God. We live that way as those people who have an eternal destiny. We don't just live for today. We're on this path of having an eternal destiny with a great God. Now our past is gone now as we've talked about and there is no condemnation now for our past. So how does God relate to us now and how do we relate to him? Well, we've heard this before, but we'll go over it again. We relate now as sons and daughters to a father. He relates to us as a father. We relate as those who belong to the kingdom of God and he relates to us as those who belong to his kingdom. We walk as those who have an eternal destiny. He relates to us as those who have an eternal destiny. You are his. You are his. You are his. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is his word for you this morning. We this morning are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy people, his own special people, that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. That's who we are. So the questions that arise, common questions, and we've all had them. What about our past? What about our sin? What about where we have missed the mark even after receiving Jesus? Now we all have things to face. Forgiveness is given by God, it's received by us, and it's given by us. Our soul has a memory, however, and tries to use that against us. So our soul remembers things and things come up and our soul tries to use it against us. We may have given access to Satan in some areas and he tries to use that against us. But the good news is that we can be set free by Jesus of all of those things. And I'm believing he's going to do this this morning. We can face our issues in the love and acceptance of God. So we've just talked about that. We've talked about who we are, what has happened. So when issues come up in our lives, it doesn't change who we are. It doesn't change anything we've just said. You'll still wear the seals. You'll still all of those things. But we can now face our issues in the love and acceptance of God when we go to God. That is so powerful because his love is so great. We can face our past in the... 
uh, love of God and not in the condemnation of Satan. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm proclaiming that this morning. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What Paul was highlighting here is that you cannot be condemned by God to the future that was yours before Jesus came into your life because Jesus has taken it. You cannot be condemned by God for sin which has been forgiven and which Jesus has taken it. This means that Satan has no right to condemn you, no right to remind you of those things that God has forgiven and it also means that we have no right to remind others of those things that God has forgiven them. So there's a need for great care and wisdom in those areas. So there can be two voices that we can hear. One voice brings life, the other brings condemnation. The one that brings condemnation, we can silence. And we're going to silence that voice this morning. The word of God is powerful and like Jesus, we can quote, uh, quote scripture. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God does not condemn you. He calls you up into who you are. He calls you up into the new person. He's calling you forward this morning. Now, there are times I know that that voice of condemnation can try and slow us down. That voice of condemnation can lie to us. But we're not going to let that happen anymore because God calls you forward. It's that voice of condemnation that can cause us to camp sometimes where we are. And God is saying this morning, I believe he's saying no more, no more of this. Our biggest challenge sometimes can be to accept the truth for our own lives, I think. I think our biggest challenge is that we find it hard at times to believe what God has done. Can anyone relate to that? We find that a little bit difficult sometimes to actually accept that. What he's saying about us now. He understands our past. He's always ready to forgive, to heal, to set us free and to restore because that's who he is. When we come to him in full recognition of who he is and our complete and total dependence on him. And that only he has the power to forgive, to heal and to set us free. True hope is experienced in a life which is based upon these foundations, which is based upon Jesus, the rock, and who he is. So we're going to do something right now. I want you to engage with God right now. I'm going to introduce Emily. Emily's going to come up and minister to you for a few minutes. What I want you to do in those few minutes, I really believe that God is going to speak with you. I believe he's going to show you something that you're going to take away. I believe he's going to plant seed in your life. Even if you think perhaps you have known this before, I believe God has something new for you this morning. I believe he's going to plant a deposit in your life that you're going to take away and there will be now no more condemnation. So let's listen, watch and allow God to speak with you and I'll be back with you in a few minutes.
How good was that? How good was that? So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence, that it's very strong here right now. Lord, I thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you that you show us how you see us. 
Lord, I thank you that you're setting people free right now, Lord. From those things that have been troubling people, Lord. Thank you that you're setting them free right now in Jesus' name. Lord, you're setting people free from that voice of condemnation, Lord, that has spoken untruths about situations, Lord. We thank you that we are who you say we are, Lord. We thank you that you did it on the cross of Calvary. We thank you that we are like Jesus in your sight, that you have changed us, Lord, that we are not that old person. We are not that old way. We're not who we were. We're who you say we are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The enemy has no right to remind you of those things. The voice of God speaks with love, speaks with affirmation, and he's calling us this morning, I believe. I believe he's calling us all up into that place. He's calling us all into the deeper revelation, but he's calling us to walk in this. Sometimes we know it, but we have trouble actually trying to live it. And he's here this morning to help us by his spirit to live in that place, which is why this was so powerful. The Holy Spirit's put this morning together, I can assure you. <laughs> and Emily will tell you the same thing. Thank you, Emily, for that. That was a powerful ministry. But what I want to leave you with this morning is what I feel God is saying. I feel there's an urgency in his heart, an urgency in the heart of the Father this morning to see you as he sees you. We're each individuals, we're each gifted individually, we each carry different facets. We're made in his image. So, Father, I thank you for that this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you did make us in your image and you made the way to restore us, Lord. And, Lord, that we can be joyful, Lord. We can be joyful, Lord, as you are joyful. And I just feel his heart right now. His heart is so joyful. And this is for those online as well. His heart is so joyful for you. He's just rejoicing. He wants you to know this in a new way this morning. Thank you, Lord, that every morning is a fresh new morning and today is a fresh new morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Amen. I'm going to hand back to Tim now, but I want you to take this away this week. And can we just give Emily a great big thank you? Thank you, Emily. That was very, very powerful.